I'm Clarissa from dreambookproject.com. I'm the official interviewer for Freedom Summit Global. For the past days and for the next coming days, we are getting to know the amazing international and local speakers for Freedom Summit Global. These speakers will gather to show us how to live a life of total freedom where we're not shackled by time, money, or location. This afternoon, we are joined by a very special guest. He has been podcasting since 2005. I mean, the podcasting has, has to have been very, very recent by when at that time. He has over 108 Udemy courses and 180,000 students, over 5 million email subscribers, and 120,000 new visitors weekly. I introduce to you the amazing Scott Patton. Thank you, Clarissa. I'm happy to be here. Yes, we are also happy that you agreed to join us in this interview. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Uh, so the first question is, what does freedom mean to you personally? That's a really, really good question, and it can get a little deep. But uh, for me, there's two types of, uh, of jails. There's the one where you have the bars and you can't get out, and you're in prison. And then there's the one that's in your mind, where you people think they cannot do something because blah, 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 whatever the excuse is. And I think to really be free, you have to be free in your mind. You have to know who you are. You have to understand why you do the things that you do. You have to understand how you can uh, live with the imperfections of being human and the, all the funny things that, that we do and afterwards go, why did I do that? Uh, but for me, freedom comes from really... Uh, being one with myself, being free in my mind, so that everywhere that you are, you're able to enjoy that moment. And sometimes the moments are really wonderful and you're on a beach, and sometimes they're really, really not that wonderful, and you arrive someplace uh, without your luggage, and no idea if you're ever going to see your luggage as an example, right? Uh, and so how you're able to react and be with yourself in those different situations, like being able to respond appropriately as opposed to just reacting and having some high drama because that's just the way you were always taught and the way that you always did it, and you didn't understand that there were other ways of being. So for me, freedom starts in your mind, in your soul, uh, in your brain, in your emotions, and in your spirit. And then what happens outside is oftentimes just a reflection of what's going on inside. All right. So you see there's two kinds of freedom, internal and external, and it starts with the internal freedom, the mind, yeah. the soul. Yes. And you also mentioned being one with yourself and being in the present moment. Is that right? Yes, yeah, very, very important. Um, Scott, what strategies did you apply to become successful? 
Uh, well, uh, the main strategy was uh, trial and error. I wasn't afraid to try different things. Uh, you mentioned that I started podcasting in 2005. The fall of 2004 was when podcasting the word was first coined. So it was very, very early. And I jumped on it because I thought this is a total paradigm shift in the world of websites and internet marketing because it finally meant that we had a way to talk to people when they weren't shackled to their computers. In those days, there, you know, not a lot of people had cell phones. That wasn't, you know, there wasn't quite as much of that going on and they were just phones. They were not smartphones. So we, to be able to actually have a way of communicating with people when they, when they were away from their computer to me was really, and then in those days it was burn a CD with your podcast and put it in your player in your car and listen to it as opposed to uh, now when you have Bluetooth and everything else. But I just thought that was, was really, really amazing. And so I wasn't afraid to jump in and then, uh, you know, take the ups and downs that came with being in something that was really new and untested. And I think that you, you really have to be open to opportunities and also really focused because once I got focused on podcasting, I stopped focusing on, say, blogging or, um, you know, other things. That you, I mean, there's always lots of things that you can do. So you really want to make sure that you're focused, but you're also open to opportunities that come from the focused work that you do. Everything really builds upon itself in my, in my mind. Uh, the other strategy to create success is taking massive action. Ricky Shetty, who is the founder of the Free, of Freedom Summit, takes massive action. We started with a one-day event in Manila. It became a two-day event. Then it became in Manila, and then it became a five-event <laughs> uh, over two weeks, two and a half weeks in uh, five different countries. So, and now he's talking about different continents. So he is, you know, looking at taking massive action with this. And that's one of the reasons why it'll end up being so successful. Uh, I think a lot oftentimes we dip our toes in. We don't take, you know, we just say, ah, I'm not sure if this is working. You know, we're not really fully committed. And as a result, we don't get the results that we want. Um, you mentioned I have like 108 uh, video courses online. It's actually gone up to 116 somehow. I was just in my account and I noticed, oh, I have 100. I'm always shocked at how many I have, to be quite honest, because when I did my first one, I thought that would probably be the last one that I do. Yeah. But because I've done 100 courses, uh, there's very few people who um, are positioned for creating courses the way I am. So I have lots of people that come to me because I have 180,000 students. I have 100 courses. I obviously know how to make successful courses. And as a result of that, it's not me telling anybody that. It's just the facts. Uh, that becomes really attractive. And I think a lot of times people forget that you are being watched. Like everybody is sort of watching and who are the standouts? Who are the people that are willing to put their head up and say, you know, here I am, I'm doing outstanding work in some area. And the people that do that get noticed. Yes, sometimes the, the notice is, you know, people throwing tomatoes at you, but oftentimes it's applause and congratulations and I want to work with you and I want to open opportunities. So if you're a graphic artist and you do, you know, one image a month, you're not going to be as successful as a graphic artist that does 
you know, 30 images a day for a year. Uh, and this is really something that, again, Ricky is a great person to model. When we first started doing our digital nomad mastery courses together, uh, we also started a podcast. And there's like, I think, 500 podcast episodes. In, and I don't think it's over, it's not over two years, I'm pretty sure. Might be. You know, but 500 podcast episodes in two years, even if it was three years, I mean, that's massive action. And now he has this tremendous following. He has this tremendous reputation. And, it, and it's not something that he's telling people and you have to believe him. You just go and take a look at his podcast and you can just see if you want to count them, all of them there. So taking massive action to position yourself as the expert in your field is a huge step towards success, in my opinion. So let me try to, to sum it up. Um, you mentioned massive action, focus. The first one was trial and error. Um, I think one builds upon the other. Like um, you wouldn't know what to focus on unless you've done the trial and error part. And it's a little difficult to do massive action unless you have that focus. Like right now, Ricky is focused on the Freedom Summit, right? That's right. Okay, the third question is, what tips do you have for someone who wants to live the digital nomad lifestyle? This is your area of expertise. Okay, well, for those that don't know, in 2017, January, I left my home in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I went to Morocco. And in the time between that uh, flight out of Vancouver and now, I've been in about 30 countries. I've been all over Western and Eastern Europe, Northern Europe, uh, Northern Africa. I've been down as far as Kenya. I've been in uh, Central America and South America. And I've been in a few places in the United States. And, and I'm now actually doing the digital nomad thing on Vancouver Island because I've never spent much time on this beautiful island that's so been, always been so close. So I've been in um, six different towns on the island in the last uh, four months. So this is kind of my, my local digital nomad uh, trek, if I can put it that way. So I've done a lot of traveling and a lot of people think you need to have a lot of money to travel. And I think that's the first myth that you need to uh, get over. You don't have to have thousands of dollars uh, saved up in order to do your traveling. You do if you want to go, you know, party for a week in Las Vegas and, or you want to go to like Disneyland for, you know, two weeks. I mean, there are places where you, you know, Paris, I mean, there are places that are expensive. But when it comes to actually traveling, which to me is, being able to do my work while I travel, while I experience different communities, different cultures, uh, make new friends, then it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. So there are lots of different ways that you can uh, find places to stay. I'm house sitting right now. I'm looking after a beautiful uh, dog. He's not right here right now or I'd show him to you. Uh, in on Salt Spring Island, which is an island off of the coast of Vancouver Island. And by coming here and spending three weeks looking after the place and looking after the dog, which I just love doing, uh, I have this place for free. So basically I'm living in a home in a community for free. So there's, I think the, 
if you want to live the digital nomad uh, lifestyle, the first thing you have to look at is how can I move around freely? So one of the things that I did was uh, the reason that I was able to travel was my last, my youngest son was the last one to move out of the house. He bought a house. I moved all of my stuff into his house because he didn't have any furniture and sold my house and then I took off. So I have one knapsack and one suitcase. It's not all the things I have in the world, but it's all the things I have with me as I travel the world and everything else is stored in my son's house and basement. Um, so if you look around your place and you think I want to be a digital nomad, but you have a king size bed and you have a refrigerator and you have two cars, then you're going to have a real problem because you're too tied down. You're too weighted down by what you have. And, uh, and I mean, it's okay to go away for a month if you want, or a couple weeks if you want and, and do that. It's just takes you longer to see the world. So, and I don't call that a digital nomad lifestyle. To me, it's, I'm going to be going to uh, England for the month of September and I'm going to be going, spending two weeks in Malta at Christmas time. And my plan right now is to go to Portugal in uh, October and Spain in November. Um, that could change because there could be a Freedom Summit in Africa at that point uh, or in India that I, that I will want to go to. So I am flexible, but I have kind of this plan made out. Um, but I couldn't do that if I had a refrigerator and two cars because how do you pull, you know, what do you do with that stuff, right, when you're not when you're not home. And of course, one thing you can do is you can get a house sitter to come in and look after it when you're gone for three or four months. I mean, there are solutions to the problems, but you really have to sit down and think about what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. So um, my tip would be take a look at what you've got, take a look at what you have that you don't need and don't want, clear it all out. It's, you know, be, live a little more of a minimal, minimalistic lifestyle and then also sit down and say, where do you want to go, right? Like I get out the map all the time and I'm looking at Europe and I'm looking at Africa and I'm looking at Asia and I'm looking at Central and South America and I'm looking at Canada. Like I spent most of my life in two provinces in Canada and I'm thinking, you know, what I'd really like to do is spend 10 months going to all the, the other eight provinces and two, well, I guess there's three territories now and spending a month in each of them just to see what they're like, because it's every place is very different. Um, so it's sitting down and deciding where you want to go, why you want to go there, and then what do you need to do in order to make that happen? I waited 10 years, and I didn't even realize this, but I was uh, I had some friends, well, I still, they're still my friends, in 2000, and I guess it was more than 10 years, 2004, and when I was starting to travel and, and post these things on Facebook, one of them posted, I'm so happy you achieved your dream. And I thought, how did you know that was my dream? And I asked her, and she says, well, when we, when we first met in 2004, it was one of the things that you were always talking about doing. So the other part is being patient. It takes, like I couldn't leave because I was raising two sons. I'm not going to abandon my son to go sons to go to you know Egypt and see the pyramids or something like that if I can't take them with me, or if I'm going to be going for two years, I mean, that's just not going to work. So I made a commitment to my sons to raise them, uh, turn them into wonderful young men, and then let them loose on the world. And once that was done, I was ready for the next stage, which was 
to travel. So you may be in a position, and of course, this is me. Ricky is traveling the world with three children under six, so you don't have to wait like I did, right? Uh, but we have different values. We have different uh, ways that we think we need to raise our kids or want to raise our kids or different situations. So you have to be, you understand you're unique to yourself and do what works for you. I'm just saying I waited to become an empty nester. Ricky said, I don't want to wait, and he didn't have to wait. So there's lots of ways that you can do it, but you need to be thinking about it. You need to be planning it. You need to be really you know, getting your mind around it, and then it starts to happen because – uh, as you set these goals, opportunities arise for you to achieve them that, that would probably be there even if you didn't set the goal, but because you set the goal, you recognize the opportunity. And a lot of times people don't recognize the opportunities that come by and they miss it and then they think, oh, you know, why can't I, you know, travel like you guys? Well, it's because you're not paying attention and seeing the opportunities to travel that are all about you. There are a lot of people that have full-time jobs in a house somewhere and their work takes them on the road traveling for, you know, three weeks of the month and they go to a bunch of amazing places. Uh, so there's not, you don't have to do it the way I did it, but you have to look at how you want to do it and how you can do it, plan for it. And this part of the mindset that I was talking about with another question really comes into play. Oftentimes people say, I can't. And it's like some obstacle comes up and it's like, oh, I can't because blah, blah, blah. And it's like, huh, well, how about I have an obstacle. Now I need to think about how to get over it. Now your mind and your subconscious is working on a solution as opposed to the just, ah, sorry, can't do that because, which of course uh, keeps everybody stuck. Wow, you mentioned a lot of things. Um, you mentioned it starts with a mindset, like with um you, you started with that, like, for example, money mindset, thinking that it has to be expensive. And then you mentioned um, thinking that you can't. And then you started, one of the things you started considering was how you can move around freely, considering that you have, um, for example, the ref, the TV, the, I, the for example, that. Um, where, and then you mentioned considering where you want to go and being patient and knowing what works for you. And then just wrapping your mind around it so that you can recognize opportunities when they come. Right? <laughs> okay. Um, the next question is, um, um, it's pretty um, close to my heart because I'm in the business of helping people achieve their dreams. So the next question is, what should someone do to make his or her dreams come true? Oh, that's a great question, Clarissa. Um, I think, first of all, we need to know what our dreams are. And oftentimes people just, they get up at six in the morning, they, they shower, they eat breakfast, they get in a car, they spend an hour in their daily commute, they go to their cubicle or wherever they work, they work. Six o'clock rolls around, they head home, they have something to eat, they watch an hour of TV, they go to bed, and they just repeat this over and over and over and over again. And then they wake up one day and they haven't accomplished any of their dreams. So I think the first step is, and it's okay to change your dreams. You know, my dream was to go back to Australia when I graduated from university. And I did that. And I spent uh, a year in in actually, you're traveling around Australia and Southeast Asia and India. 
Um, you, I think the first thing you have to be is really focused and you have to really know what your dream is. I wanted to go back to Australia. It was like, there was no question, right? Uh, and then I just kept taking my steps, kicking my steps. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going to live. There was lots of uh, times in that trip where it was like, uh, you know, I have no clue, you know, sort of give, you know, let God look after it because I certainly can't solve this problem. And um, so that, that's what you really need to do is you need to identify what it is. You need to focus on it. You need to picture it in your mind. You need to, you know, bring it into like reality uh, in your, in your imagination and your consciousness. And then you have to take your steps to go, right? If your dream is to travel, the first step is decide where, and the second step is to buy a ticket. And then you're pretty much done, right? So that's that's my uh, that's my whole take on on making your dreams come to true. So your advice is first to start with knowing what it is, what your dream is, and then to finally take the steps to make it happen. That's right. Generally speaking. Uh, People that study the brain and the mind say that uh, 90 to 95% of our thinking is subconscious and only 5% is conscious. So if your conscious mind says, I want to travel and you're not traveling, it's because your subconscious mind is either sabotaging you or doing something that isn't allowing you to go travel. And this is what I mean about being in integrity or being one is your conscious and your subconscious and and uh, your spirit need to all be kind of aligned for things to happen. So the mindset or the understanding of yourself comes from like, why, why is my subconscious not making this thing come true? Because it's got all the computing power, right? The, the conscious mind is just, Oh, I want that. And Oh, I want this. And I want to do these things, but it's the subconscious mind that actually help makes you take the steps, right? We don't think about putting a foot in front of another foot in front of another foot to walk. We just walk. Well, who's making all that decisions as to which muscle to relax and which muscle to contract? It's your subconscious mind as an example. So if you're always walking into walls, then I, for me, it's my subconscious mind is mad at me, right? So what do I need to do to, you know, make that part of me happy and willingly come along with where I say I want to go. And that comes from being honest, being truthful, being loving, be, you know, not saying, oh, I'm so stupid am I for not doing, you know, you have to be nice to yourself. And once you align that and you look at your life and you say, wow, like this is working out really good, this is working out really good, this isn't, then you know where you've got your problems with your subconscious mind. And once you get it working on the problem, it works way faster, way harder, uh, way more effective than your conscious mind because it's 95%, not 5%. And so when you're, when you want to make your dreams come true, it's got to be a dream that your conscious mind and your subconscious mind agree. We want to make this happen. And it's, I liken it to like walking on a path with a five-year-old child. Right. And uh, you know, he, he, in my case, may want to go that way and I may want to go this way. Well, I can't just drag him along because otherwise he's going to have a temper tantrum somewhere and I'm going to stub my toe and fall or something in the woods. So 
you, you need to come together and move forward. And then your dreams all come true. So to recognize the power of the subconscious, make sure that your subconscious and uncon your subconscious and conscious mind are aligned towards your dream. Um, the fifth question is, what is your favorite travel story? That's actually the hardest question. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> you have uh, a lot. <laughs> I have I have a lot of stories, but like, which what's the favorite? What stands out? There's lots that are pretty, pretty fun. I think my favorite was uh, when I went to to Kenya. I flew from uh, Madrid, Spain, to Nairobi, and then I got out in Nairobi and I bought a ticket to Mombasa. Spent a month in Mombasa, came back to Nairobi, and then I flew to Athens. And the flight from Athens flight to Athens from Nairobi had a stopover in Cairo. So when I flew into Nairobi, um, they lost my luggage. So the first time my luggage in two years was lost. And of course it had to go to Mombasa, they had to ship it to Mombasa and then I had to go back to the airport and get it. But I was glad I got it. When I left, uh, the flight, the, the layover time in Cairo was 45 minutes, and I thought it will be a miracle for me to actually make that flight because I'm going to land in Cairo, and I don't even know where in the airport I got to go, and I thought I don't know how they're going to get my luggage on the flight either, and then my flight was delayed an hour, so I'm going to arrive at least 15 minutes after the flight that I'm supposed to take is gone, and I thought, <laughs> I swim to Athens. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, right? But it's not my problem. This is one of the things where mindset and everything else comes into play. It's like, I have a ticket. There's no flight. Um, I guess we'll see when I get to come. I mean, I'm on the plane. There's nothing I can do except enjoy my flight. And I arrived, and they had held the plane, which was just amazing to me that they did that but I guess there was more than just me on my flight going to Athens and as we're as we're landing the, the pilot comes on the captain comes on he says uh, those of you that are on this flight uh, they're holding it for you you know, you know those people that are on that flight they're holding it for you and you know just go as quickly as you can so I got on the flight to Athens and I arrived in Athens I was like wow that was really amazing and of course my luggage was not there and so I went to the lady and I said, my luggage is not here. She, I really don't like it when they look at the computer and I can't see what they're doing, right? Because she's looking like, oh, it should be here. And I'm going, well, I know it's not here. And uh, so she goes and looks and says, no. And then she says, well, okay, well, uh, give me your address. And I'm like, I'm only staying overnight in Athens and then I'm going to the island of Rhodes, which is a Greek island in the, in the Aegean Sea. And... I don't have, like, I don't usually travel with a phone and blah, 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 you know. So, I mean, I have no way of them really getting a hold of me, but I'm staying at an Airbnb. So I contacted the lady at the Airbnb, and I said, I've lost my luggage. Can, uh, can I give your phone number, and they can call you when they find it, and, you know, whatever arrangements we need to make. She said, no problem, right? And then she also said, I'll come and meet you at the airport and pick you up. So I thought, great. 
So, and in my mind, I'm thinking my luggage is history. I will never see this luggage ever again, right? Because it's coming from Nairobi to Cairo to Athens and it's lost and it's probably in a corner in Cairo somewhere if it even got on. And, and I'm trying to get my mind around like, what do I need to buy in order to continue traveling, right? And uh, so I got to Rhodes, I got out, and there was nobody there. There was no one meeting me. There was just 30 yellow cabs and a couple passengers that, that left. And I'm for 20 minutes, I'm sitting around thinking, I don't know where this uh, Airbnb lady came or went or where she is or if I'm at the wrong place, had no idea. And then out she comes from the baggage claim area with my suitcase. And they call, I had called her and they said, the suitcase is here. And, and she says, great, I'm coming to pick up Scott and I'll get the suitcase at the same time. So whatever rigmarole they had to do, they did. And she comes out and I was like, I gave her a big hug. It was just such a relief to, you know, have my stuff, right? <laughs> and, it, it, and I guess like when, the reason this is an important story to me is it would have been really easy to spend two hours in the flight from Nairobi to Cairo, worrying and worrying and worrying. Am I going to make the plane? Am I going to be stuck in Cairo? Oh, poor me. What am I going to do? I'm late. And then when I got to, to uh, Athens, it's like you, I could have been yelling and screaming, like, how could you lose my luggage, blah, 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 you know? And none of this is, is bringing peace to me or people around me or to the world. And part of what I love about traveling is, you're going to have an experience and the experience you have is more often based on your response or reaction to what's going on than what actually is going on, right? The, you know, their job is to get you from A to B and they did it to get my luggage from A to B and actually to C, which was the Island of Rhodes and they did it. And that could have been a, it was a pleasant experience because I just like, I don't, you know, I don't have my luggage no problem, you know, I'm, I'm alive, I'm here, I'll enjoy my day in Athens, and then I'll go to the island of Rhodes, and hopefully they'll either tell me it's lost forever, or they'll bring it up, and, and I'll get it. So, uh, but I think oftentimes when people are traveling is they, they stress themselves, and in life in general, we stress ourselves out way too much about things that we don't have any control over, and we want to have control. So that's kind of my takeaway from one of my favorite stories. It's a great story, Scott. It's like, a, you. as you said, a metaphor for how you respond in life, right? Yeah. So the second to the last question is, what is your vision for the future? Vision. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> When I was in Tunisia, I was invited to Tunisia to talk to a group of about uh, 10, 15 young Tunisian entrepreneurs uh, about, about business, about online business, that sort of thing. And when we were talking, I asked a question that has really, their answer, their reaction has really changed uh, my direction in life in many ways. Uh, and my question was, if you could make if you could make an extra $500 a month if you could make $500 a month not an extra $500 a month 
uh, how would that change your life? Would that change your life? And they all, like, the, their eyes popped open and it was like, oh, yeah, if I, I had a $500 coming in every month, like, life would be great. In, in Indonesia, uh, the average earnings is around five, six, seven dollars $700 a month. Um, and, I, and that has sat with me for a long time. And I came up with this uh, project that I'm working on, slowly but surely, called 500 for 500, which basically means $500 for 500 people in a country, in Tunisia, in Kenya, in the Philippines, with the idea that those 500 people could teach one more person. And that person could teach one person, that person could teach one person. Because if you talk to a lot of internet marketers in the United States and Canada, making $500 is ridiculously easy. So then the question is, is if it's ridiculously easy and it has nothing to do with being in the United States or Canada, then why can't we teach 500 people in the Philippines to do that or 500 people in Indonesia or in uh, Kenya or Uganda or Rwanda or uh, Nigeria even? And the answer is, of course, we, there's no problem. We can do that. And so my vision is to go to these countries and to uh, have a, a process where, uh, and usually using affiliate marketing, where they can fairly easily make $500 a month. And if you can make 500 doing something uh, that it works forever sort of thing, nothing is forever, but, you know, kind of like ongoing, then how hard is it to do it again and make another 500, do it again, make another 500 until you were creating whatever income it is that you want. But I was really looking at, you know, kind of the, the lower or middle class of, of the people in, that I knew in Tunisia when I was thinking about this. And I think it applies to equally to the people that I, I spent time with in Mombasa and Nairobi um, where, yeah, like there's a certain infrastructure that you need, like you need a computer, you need an internet connection, you know, these sort of things. But then once you've got, got that, uh, then it's just a matter of training and work. And the thing that, it just broke my heart in Mombasa in particular was seeing how hard people worked for no money, like like little, little, little money. You know, I'd see these guys in 100-degree weather, you know, pulling a cart of, I don't know, whether it was fruit or bananas or uh, wood down the highway and thinking, like, he's probably going to get $10. For, and he is working so hard. And I thought, you know, so it's not that people don't work hard or they're not hard workers. It's not hard work that's the issue. It's, it's the knowledge and it's also the opportunity and the direction that they go. So my, you know, my vision for the future is to be able to have groups of people supporting each other, communities in uh, many, many uh, countries in Africa and South America and Asia uh, where the goal is to make 500, if I can get you $500, if you can, if we can work together so that you're earning $500 a month, whether it's through affiliates or through videos production or, or whatever it happens to be, then you can make another 500, like you can make a thousand, then you can make 1500 and then you like whatever it is until you're at whatever your dream is for your financial future. 
And that's, you know, that's really the key. And I just, when I'm traveling around the United States and Canada, I think, yeah, like everybody has a computer, everybody's able to get on and they're able to create websites and use those websites to sell. And there's lots of different ways people can do, uh, they can do commerce online and make money. And none of these are exclusive to Canada, the United States or Europe. And it has a way larger impact on people in, you know, in, in the poorer countries of the world. So that's, that's kind of my vision for the future. So it's the uplifted lives of the people who need it most. Yes. Yeah. Um, last question, Scott. Where can people find you online? Um, well, the, probably the I'll give you my email address. That's probably the easiest and best way to get a hold of me, which is scott at patonmail.com, P-A-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. And if you're watching this and you're emailing me, please put something like Freedom Summit in the subject line because I get a lot of spam. And if you just put hi, <laughs> I, I might think that's spam and just not bother opening it. And I don't want to be unfriendly. Uh, I'm also very active on Facebook. If you do a search on Facebook and you see, uh, see Scott Patton from Vancouver, that'll be me because I'm the only one. And if you go to Udemy um, and just do a search on uh, podcast, my podcast class is usually number one. And from there on my profile page, there's my uh, Facebook, my Twitter, my website, uh, my email and all that sort of stuff. Okay. All right. That ends our interview. Um, again, we invite you to the Freedom Summit. Um, achieve time freedom, financial freedom, and location freedom. Uh, we'll be in Manila on March 30 to 31, in Kuala Lumpur on April 6, in Singapore April 7, Bali April 13, and Chiang Mai April 17. Scott, maybe you'd like to invite them personally? Yes, I really want to encourage you to come. Uh, when I'm at events, I'm at the event for the whole day, and I make a commitment that I don't leave until everybody's questions are answered. So after my presentation, if you have questions, or even if you have questions before, and you want to come up and talk to me, I'd be delighted to talk to you uh, until you've got all your questions answered. And uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be an amazing time you're going to learn a lot and you're going to get a lot of information that you can put into action particularly if you listen carefully to what i'm going to be teaching you that you can put into action right away and start to achieve the dreams uh, that you you deserve to be living really hey if they listen to this interview with you they already have action steps they can apply yeah. Thanks, Clarissa. I appreciate that. Um, the last thing is we want to invite them to like Freedom Summit Global and Freedom Summit Asia on Facebook. All right. Thank you, Scott, for this interview. Thanks, Clarissa. We'll see you in a few weeks. See you.